Maximum Health with your host, Dr. Ken Gray. Dr. Gray obtained his master's in both acupuncture and oriental medicine from the Atlantic Institute of Oriental Medicine. Dr. Gray enjoys both being a physician as well as being an educator. His unique approach to holistic healing has taken him abroad to lecture in Germany and treat sports professionals in Hawaii and France. He is co-author of several books on food therapy. His office is in Jupiter, Florida, where he has practiced for over a decade and where he resides. Now it's time for Maximum Health with Dr. Ken Gray. Welcome back, everyone. This is Maximum Health Radio, quality living with yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray, holistic physician. We thank you for joining us every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard, 88.9 FM WQCS. That is uh, NPR National Public Radio. We are also on a public, uh, well, we're available via iTunes. So uh, that's a wonderful thing, a podcast. If you've missed any of our episodes, I, I would say we have wonderful guests every week and there's tons in the queue. So please. Uh, subscribe and follow us and continue to support. Uh, this week's guest is a wonderful uh, gentleman that I recently had the pleasure of uh, seeing in person uh, in, in he, when he was visiting Palm Beach, but he's actually the present CEO of the Farber Institute for Neuroscience. He's uh, the, uh, I mean, there's so many designations here. We were just talking about this, how, how much he's accomplishing, uh, but the uh, medical director of the Jefferson Neuroscience Network, uh, we are going to focus on strokes today because there's something that is happening in the world of neuroscience and strokes and the health of brains and we want to know how to prevent we want to know the signs to look for we want to know what's going on and we have the man dr rosenwasser on the line with us today to help us with all of that thank you for joining us sir thank you good morning Good morning. So in regards to the new uh, results, the new uh, research, what's going on in the world of strokes? Because it is a scary thing. I don't want one. I don't want anyone I know to have one. <laughs> I don't want any patients. Oh. I, we need to be done with this. It's, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, I think everybody knows someone or has a family member that's had a stroke. I suspect if you have a room of 100 people, I suspect 99 people would raise their hand. And if I could just, you know, set the stage for the kind of disease we're talking about, um, it stroke kills about 140,000 Americans each year, one out of every 20 deaths. Last year, there were almost 800,000 strokes in the United States alone. So that kind of gives a, a sense of what it is. Uh, the cost to society, uh, and this comes out of federal figures, uh, is approximately $34 billion a year. Mm. $34 billion per year, every That's year. huge. Right? So think about the money that could be in reinvested for prevention of disease if uh, if that could be done. Yes. Now, so, so, you know, so I, I would tell you, you know, uh, one of the major advances to your question was, you know, the first thing that came along over 20 years ago was the, the ability to, to deliver uh, clot-busting drugs intravenously, very much like we did with heart attacks early on. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a, certainly a, an advent, and that particular study showed improved quality of life and ability to perform active, uh, act you know, t uh, activities of daily living at 90 days. Um, 
And so now we have other methods where we can actually go up into the brain, into the arteries of the brain, and actually remove the clots that form. Mm -hmm. And so that has really been demonstrated by five international studies. It's level one evidence, which is the best scientific evidence that you can that you can really obtain to de determine and efficacy. And you're doing a lot of this research from your home in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the, the you know Jefferson Hospital for Neuroscience, correct? Well, yes, this that is correct, and and this is really a national effort. So we're not an island. We we participate with many other institutions around the country and around the world uh, to determine this data and determine whether these treatments are effective. And so far, the data is quite good that. Uh, that we can treat strokes up to 24 hours in some cases and, and reverse paralysis mm -hmm. uh, and or death. Now, there was some uh, odd statistic I came across that said, you know, basically one in three people uh, cannot name the warning signs for strokes. So, well, yeah. you, you know, th this is a problem because there, there obviously are warning signs. And I think one of the ways to remember the warning signs is fast, I learned. That's correct. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, if, if we look at it historically, 25 years ago, no one knew the symptoms of a heart attack, right? right? right. Chest pain, arm pain. Right. Then later we learned that in women, women can have neck pain or simple indigestion and may not have the classic symptoms. So it was really a huge public education effort, right? right? And to your point, yes, we are trying to educate the public and really... I think it's terrific that you have this because you reach so many more people than, than we can reach individually, is that... But, uh, learning the warning signs of a stroke. Mm -hmm. And and the, the, the eponym that we use is FAST, F-A-S-T, right. right? So F means face. Um, A means weakness in the arm. So face and asymmetry or grouping of the face. Mm -hmm. A stands for weakness in one of the arms. Um, and uh, S stands for speech difficulties. Mm -hmm. And then T is is time. Right. That's, it's very time sensitive. So F-A-S-T and if you could repeat that on multiple programs, it would be most appreciated to to get the uh, the world to understand that there yes. are warning signs. F A S T fast face drooping, arm weakness, spe uh, speech difficulty, and time time to call nine one one. Call nine one one immediately. Yes. yes, and the sooner so time. Let's talk about that because you were saying within twenty four hours. You were just saying you know so so time comes up constantly in regards to an individual that has been struck with a stroke and also the treatment and the ability to gain or regain their their you know their general sense of well-being and composure um, well, with with minimal residual effects that that's exactly right and you know for every minute of, of lack of blood flow and oxygen to the brain uh, millions of nerve cells die so obviously the sooner you can get to the problem and the sooner you recognize the problem, the better the chance of a, of a recovery right. and of a meaningful recovery. So time is very, very important. And I think that, you know, it's better to have false starts. So if you think you're having a stroke, and call 911 and let the, let the health providers sort it out whether it's real or not. Right. And now back to the treatment. Give us, break down some of this new treatment here that you're that so, you've been working uh, on. So the mainstay still is intravenous. TPA, which is a uh, intravenous clot-busting drug, and that generally can be given. We generally have a four-hour window. There are age limits, but still, because of that, uh, many patients, over 80% of patients, may not be eligible for that drug. For example, if they've just had surgery, you can't give a, a, a clot-busting drug for obvious reasons because you'll bleed. 
um, if it's beyond four hours, if you wake up with a stroke, and many strokes are what we call wake-up strokes, so we don't know when the onset is, um, and uh, things of that nature. So in those kinds of situations, we now have technologies and, and, and procedures where we can actually access one of the arteries under x-ray control, can navigate through the arteries in the body, up to the artery in the brain that has the blood clot or the blockage, and remove that blood clot and restore blood flow to that part of the brain. So those are some of the newer technologies. We, we have some investigational uh, trials which are not yet proven to be totally efficacious and not yet approved by the FDA, and that involves stem cell transplantation uh, and not embryonic. When, you know, we don't know one uses embryonic anymore. This is taking the patient's own bone marrow and growing the um, what are called stem cells in the bone marrow and then injecting them to the area of the stroke. So there's a lot of great things on the horizon in the treatment of this terrible disease. Um, you know, just to put another perspective out there, uh, it, when I started in this business 30 years ago, it was the third leading cause, second or third leading cause of death. It's now the fifth leading cause of death, but it remains the leading cause of disability in the United States by a factor of five over cancer, heart disease, lung disease, because the cost of society and family, as I said, is enormous. Now, it used to also, the perception of strokes used to be a older person's uh, problem, right? Uh, uh, now, they're saying that strokes are surprisingly common in young people. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, historically it's been, you know, it was the older patient right. uh, who has this, but we are seeing a significant number of strokes in young people. Uh, there are there are certain blood disorders that, you know, that were unrecognized years ago. Um, and stroke is, is two kinds, right? There's the bleeding. Bleeding can occur, can mm -hmm. cause a stroke, and blockage of an artery that can cause a stroke. Most of the strokes that occur in young people are due to bleeding. Mm -hmm. Most of the strokes that occur in older people are due to blockage of an artery. But we know that there are risk factors. There are certain pre-genetic risk factors in young people. They have certain proteins in their blood that causes it to clot abnormally. If we know that ahead of time, we can give a certain type of blood thinner and prevent that. We do know that there's still some evidence that birth control pills and hormonal manipulation may increase the risk of uh, thrombotic stroke, uh, particularly in young women. Um, so there are, there are risk factors. And yes, the young population um, you know, is is certainly something that that we are seeing more strokes in young people. Yeah. Unfortunately, and by young, is, and, and just to clarify, by young, just so we know what this age bracket is, where the increase has been shown, we're talking like fifteen to forty four. That's exactly. So we're right. not talking young as in thirty. You know, that's, <laughs> to, that's, that's correct. We're talking about fifteen years old. Teens. Yeah. yeah. Like middle to late teens to you know to early forties. That's right. exactly right. Right. So this is important for parents to know as well. You know, because we do want to know those warning signs and we want to be educated, like you said. Because the sooner we know, you know, sometimes if you don't know the warning signs and you know you could think any number of things is happening and, and neglect it and say, oh, just get take a nap or <laughs> maybe you need some water. But uh, some of these warning signs need to be uh, followed to a T as far as what we do when we see them and uh, following the the protocol, which, again, time is a factor, and then calling 911. That's correct. Um, now, there are some other triggers, and these are things that we need to recognize as well, and uh, I think we, there's, there's some connection to sexual activity. There's some connection to manipulation of the cervical spine. 
Um, can you tell us a little bit about that, which these are not common, but they are things that we need to be aware of. Well, that is, that is correct. I mean, there's, there are many reports in the literature, and I've personally seen many cases over the years where certain types of manipulations can pinch one of the arteries in the neck and, and cause a tear in that artery, which, res, which results in a stroke. Um, but, you know, this gets into your point about risk factors, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's so important. You know, what we're talking about today is kind of the end stage of a process. But, you know, I think if we do simple things like, you know, in the 80s and 90s, there were studies that looked at just control of blood pressure and hypercholesterolemia, mm-hmm. as an example, and, mm. and diabetes, right? Right. And those are, you know, I mean, so if you look at the things that people can do for themselves, which is extremely important, and you know this as well as anybody, it's control the blood pressure, control the cholesterol. Smoking, we know, is a, is a very high risk factor for stroke, mm-hmm. diabetes, and obesity. So these are things that individuals can do for themselves. You know, we're all born with a, with a genetic predisposition, but these are real factors that the individual can really take control of their own destiny to a certain degree. And are you seeing more um, strokes in, in males or females? It's about equivalent now. It used to be more males, but we're seeing a significant number of strokes in females as well. And as as you know, it's like it's like lung cancer, right? I mean, lung cancer used to be a disease of men, and it's now a disease of women, as an example. So, you know, so we're seeing equal numbers of strokes in women as we are in men. Mm. And and with the new procedures that you're talking about, how, how have you? you personally seen the results has how long has it been and and what are the uh what is the longest say patient that you've had that have undergone this procedure and then what where are they now as far as your well so you know 10 15 years ago 20 years ago if someone came in and they had a blood clot you just you know you gave if you could give them the intravenous medicine you gave them that and then really just did the best you could which right. was not very good at all right uh, but nowadays you know we're able to go in and, and remove the clot and for example um, it can be very graphic I mean um, someone can come in in coma from a stroke in, in an artery in the back of the brain in coma unconscious in coma and then we remove that clot and they wake up on the table I mean it's it, it's it's a miracle when you see it hmm. and uh, and what I'm talking about is not is not unique to what we do at Jefferson. There are a lot of great places in the United States and Canada and Europe that are that have now really embraced this. So it's very very dramatic. I mean, you know, in in one of my talks, I I showed a young lady who was 39 years old. To your point, came in totally paralyzed on her left side, 39 years old with four children, right? And so we treated her, removed the clot, and she was now moving and able to, you know, resume her normal life. And so... How long How long know, was she paralyzed? She was paralyzed for about uh, 10 hours before we saw her. Okay. And then she's full, she's full mobility now. Full, fully, fully mobile back at home. Wow. And, uh, and, you know, even, even, even those kinds of clots are not amenable to just the intravenous clot-busting drug as well. But at 10 hours, she was not a candidate for that. Uh, beyond four hours, we generally don't give the intravenous medication mm-hmm. uh, because of the risk factors associated with it. So, How long ago so, was, that, was that procedure done to this? Oh, gosh, probably in the fall. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're, 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 we're treating a, a large number of strokes now because of these, these trials. Our, our network is 37 hospitals, so we, you know, we, we get about 260 transfers every month mm-hmm. for all of neuroscience-related uh, diagnoses. But 
stroke is a is a large portion of that uh, that we that get transferred into to centers that have this ability to do at this point. What and are what are options for Florida based uh, you know people or, or people not in uh, states that in your, uh, your you know state? that's 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 interesting. I know that this is being done at the University of Miami, mm-hmm. for example. Um, it's not made it to many hospitals. I don't know whether the hospitals in the Palm Beach area have it. I know that I think one of the prompt one of the things that prompted this discussion between you and I was that many individuals came up to me after after that and said, you know, we don't really have a, a facility of that magnitude or that experience in Palm Beach, which is highly populated of people who have that risk factors that we talked about. Right. Yes. So you know, it, again, it's like anything else. Many of these new treatments start at large cities, at universities, or larger hospitals, and then migrate to the smaller hospitals or large hospitals that that are not close to a university, for mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I thought it was important, and that's one of the things that I pride. Obviously, Jefferson is, is has its pulse on the future of medicine, and um, I've had different physicians or heads of departments on my show in the past. And uh, one of the things that got me interested in Jefferson's um, uh, progress in medicine was its integrative interest, right? So the incorporation of all different types of uh, um, modalities and research and technology to bring about the holistic approach to, to medicine and for an offer to all patients, as well as through education. Uh, so, so when I do attend your talks, when you do come to, uh, when Jefferson comes to Palm Beach and thanks to the Corman, um, you know, the Corman foundation, they, they help support that and keep me involved. But, um, Wonderful. the, the idea is that, yeah, we need more of this and education is key. And I guess the more people know about it, the more they'll ask for it. Uh, that, that's exactly right. And I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk with you and 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 ask you hopefully that you will continue to carry this message uh, on on many of your interactions uh, on air and 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 so forth. Yes. Now, I, I personally, you know, I had to watch I, my biological dad uh, die slowly over the course of a year after by his third stroke. It was a wow. horrible thing, and um, you know, each one took a part of him away. And uh, there, obviously, this was well. This was a while before this this medic, this uh, procedure was available. So, like like you say, the only thing you could do was uh, give a TPA. And and you know, with him, he was not found. He was in New York, and and he wasn't found within four hours. So <laughs> right. there wasn't much that right. could be done. So you know, in hindsight, I wish this was there. So the only thing I can do now is obviously help other sons or children or, or, you know, wives or husbands with their families. And, you know, um, there's always this personal connection between uh, medicine and healing and what gets us into this field. What got you into strokes uh, and, and neuroscience? Well, and um, You know, I mean, I started off in, in, in neurological surgery and mm-hmm. just had an enjoyment for the physiology and, and, and caring for these people early on in my training. I, you know, that's why there's chocolate and vanilla, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, I just I just happen to like that particular subspecialty within uh, within neurological disease, mm-hmm. and I thought it fascinating. And I've always been interested in physiology, and there's a tremendous amount of physiology that goes into uh, into the treatment of the stroke patient. Mm-hmm. 
Are you a big advocate for, you know, say once a person does have these procedures, uh, is there education on diet? Is there education on um, adjunct or integrative treatments like acupuncture or yoga or <laughs> so the, lifestyle so the changes? Answer is, the answer is absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, acupuncture has been around for 5,000 plus years for a reason, <laughs> and uh, which means it works. We don't ne- necessarily understand everything. But I think, yes, the holistic care of the patient is everything because, you know, I mean, just fixing the stroke doesn't take care of the problem that caused it, Mm. right? Removing the blood clot, there's still the issues of their hypertension and their obesity and their diabetes and smoking and and stress, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're full of a world of type A personalities. Um, So I think, yes, I think the the entire thing, you know, it's very interesting you all talk about yoga. I I know an individual here in the Philadelphia region, I said, I'd like to establish a yoga class or yoga program for stroke patients, mm. right? Because it's about strength and mobility, right? Yes. And so th- there's not a, you know, I mean, there's a zillion yoga studios around, right. but none of them are really have a program to deal with handicapped patients. Right. It's, no, that's not great. Yeah. So, you know, if we could come up with a program in yoga to deal with stroke patients, I think it should absolutely be become part of the rehabilitation process. I'm so happy to hear you say that because, you know, obviously it's it's one thing to have, uh, you know, an average person, but someone with your credentials and your experience advocating that, you know, you're an MD, you you uh, obviously have a lot of technology and, and uh, medicine and all that behind you. but. To say, you know, publicly, look, we need to approach it from a holistic standpoint, and yoga is definitely a viable option is is huge, and I hope people listen Absolutely. to that. Absolutely, um, I'm a big fan. And uh, now the just to to go into some of the um, integrative options, you know, because I have patients that that is their biggest fear. Once you have a stroke, they say, "How do I not have this again? I never want to have that again. I never want to go through that again." And, you know, I always tell them, obviously, there's no guarantees, but changing lifestyle is a huge factor, right? So it's, it's everything. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I say that in quotation marks. I mean, you know, obviously, there are medications and things that, that go along with it. But like sure. I said, you yeah. know, when you see the stroke patients, you know, they're not all, you know, they're not all, um, you know, professional athletes with, right. a, with, a, with a lean body mass, right. and, you know, and all that. And so I think that that goes into the, you know, the holistic approach and the ongoing approach. I yes. mean, holistic is an ongoing approach. And, yeah. and it, for ex- the analogy I give to patients, I said, look, I fixed a flat tire on your car, but that tire cannot go at 200 miles an hour because it'll blow out again. Mm. So you have to modify your lifestyle. Yes. Wow. And, and that's kind of the analogy I use. We fixed it, but, you're, but that tire's not built to do that. That yeah. tire's built not to go at 200 miles an hour. And that's and so, so important. Yeah. By your lifestyle, you are going to have another blowout right. or another stroke. Right. And people yeah. need to hear that because they want to rely on the medication. They just want to sit well, on the right. medication people, and not change a thing. And people think that surgery, surgery is not a replacement for modification of those factors. Right. right? I mean, it fixes the acute problem. It doesn't fix the long-term problem. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, I like I said, I I had to watch my dad die slowly. He, you know, he drank for many years. My biological dad he was different than the dad that raised me. He's a totally different person. Um, but you know, and I and I love him, and and you know, God rest his soul. But yeah, he he rode hard, and then one day he stops, and he just gets on medication, 
Uh, and then he has these strokes and, and then he was just angry and he didn't want to change anything, but he was just angry. He didn't want to do the, the rehabilitation. He didn't want to do the exercise. And then he had another stroke and then it, he just became immobile. And, you know, I just, I don't want that for anyone. And so it's important that we have this treatment, but I just, I'm so happy that we got into the actual lifestyle changes. You know, acupuncture is great. Yoga is great. Movement, diet, you know, there are foods that are help with, um, you know, uh, keeping inflammation down. And we, and we don't, we so often think of inflammation as things that bother our joints, but we don't think of inflammation as things that close up our, and inflame our bodies and make our arteries and, you know, capillaries thinner, right? You know, what? that's exactly right. And one thing I didn't mention that people also take for granted is dental health. Mm, wow. The constant of inflammation. So poor dental hygiene uh-huh. has cardiovascular disease because of the exactly what you indicated, the inflammatory process. So poor so, dental hygiene has been linked dental to... Dental hygiene is extremely important in preventing cardiovascular disease. Because it's been linked to inflammatory... Correct. Wow. So that's huge. So we've got a lot of good things to think about. You've helped us so much. And Dr. Rosenwasser, tell us how people can get involved and if they need treatment or want some added um, prevention type uh, consultation through Jefferson University or be directed to whatever uh, adjunct hospitals or treatment facilities that are involved in their area. How do they get in touch with you? Sure. Well, you know, I mean, we have a website, which is, uh, you know, jefferson.edu. They can Google it and find out. And we have patients from all over the country. So, you know, we often say, I, you know, people will say, I live in I live in Palm Beach or I live in uh, uh, Ocala. You know, where's Ocala, Florida? Where should I go for this? And, you know, and we, we are always involved in, in, in directing patients to the, to the closest place that has some expertise and knowledge. And I think individuals should, should seek out their community hospitals and kind of demand yeah. informational programs, right? I mm-hmm. mean, all politics is local. So, yes. you know, people should go to hospitals in the Palm Beach area or Jupiter area or that area of Florida and say, you know what, we're very interested in you establishing an educational series on cardiovascular disease and cerebrovascular disease. And it's not just about the medicine, right? It's all the things we talked about, mm-hmm. modification of lifestyles and exercise and because those are things people can take, they can have ownership of that part of their health. They right? own that, exactly. And, and you know, I have to say that I noticed recently Jupiter Medical Center is uh, offering some um, new focus on the stroke department and, and I believe some research and uh, treatments that are moving right. along these lines. So that is some, that's a hospital I'm on staff at, and um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty happy well, to see that. I'd be happy to come down there yeah. and give a talk and interact yes. with some of the folks. Wonderful. Particularly well, since it's like snowing up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll welcome you. That would be wonderful. Oh, man. Well, this has been another Maximum Health Quality Living. We thank you for joining us, and uh, we hope all of you that listen will continue to listen and support. And uh, what is the universe trying to tell us now? Well, you can find out Saturday, April 27th from 12 to 3 p.m. at the New Norton Museum of Art Stiller Auditorium at the first annual Star Summit Talk with special panelists, Brown University astrophysicist Dr. Stefan Alexander, Director of Science Institute at St. John's College, Peter Pesek, John Bell, Director of the Planetarium at IRSC, Functional Medicine Doctor, Mark Goki, as well as Functional Nutritionist, Mary Goki. We'll see you there at the first annual Star Summit Talk, Science, Technology, Arts, Renaissance, moderated by yours truly, Dr. Ken Gray, Holistic Physician. Purchase your tickets via eventbrite.com today. We'll see you next time.
Stay healthy. Thank you very much, Dr. Bird. Take care. Bye-bye. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. In other words, hold my hand. In other words. Baby, kiss me.